Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here for this special episode to cover Fantastic Four versus X-Men 1 and 2, the uh, cover date of the first one of which is February 1987, on sale November 4th of 1986. Oh, that's all over the place. Cover date of $1.50. Oh my gosh. $1.75 in Canada. And um, this one's titled, Are You Sure? Which is a stupid title. <laughs> and on the cover of this one, we see Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four with a Doctor Doom outfit. He's pulled his mask off, revealing his face, and he's laughing at his wife, who appears to be dead, and his child, who is crying. And behind him is Wolverine, who says, You destroyed the FF, Richards. Now I'll destroy you, says a Wolverine, who is walking up from the flames. He's actually not walking. He's kind of he's kind of crouch gliding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, movement is occurring, but you're right. It's probably not a like a walk. And he's hunched over. Yeah, I think he's on like one of those treadmills that's like slowly moving towards him. So it's like a Jetson type thing. And he's like, "I'll destroy you." Sure, sure. Uh, so he's he, this is Robot Wolverine. This is Ro- Wolverine from the future. Nice. Most of his uh, flesh has been replaced by adamantium robot parts nice yeah so i mean not a bad cover but nothing memorable it's good and we open this thing up i'd buy the issue chris claremont's the writer john bogdanova is the penciler terry austin is inking tom orzakowski is lettering glennis oliver's the colors and the senti is the editor mike carlin and don daly are the consulting editors uh, and jim shooter is the editor-in-chief do you know who mike and don are they're consulting editors. Okay. Like, are, are they like the present editors on Fantastic Four? And they're like, well, here's what you can do and here's what you can't do. Well, since this issue came out in, uh, so this is weird because this issue came out like in, in chronologically a couple of months ago. Okay. Um, so they had to coordinate with, because in, in the timeline, it happens at the exact same time in both Fantastic Four and X-Men. Um, so it, they, they knew what was happening a couple months out in both issues somehow. So I, I don't I don't know if uh, neither of those people are on the Fantastic Four as far as I can tell. From, I, went back, I went back to issue 296. I don't see them, them anywhere. So chronologically, when you say that, like uh, we, we're pretty much guessing based on the characters that are involved in this issue that it, it comes after issue 219 of the X-Men. Was right. it being real-time released or was this released before 219, way after well, 219? 219 was July. Okay. And this was February. Of the same year? Of the same year. So this was released first. Oh, okay. So they, this happened. Everyone's probably like, wait a minute. Uh, Havoc's not part of the X-Men. Right. And then 219 and, drops and they're like, oh, all right. That, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I'd, I have to wonder if like all of this stuff is, what do we, I don't know. I feel like something, the internet might be wrong. Who knows? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I mean, coordinating all of these releases and these uh, multi-issue um, uh, crossovers cannot have been easy. And uh, to also try to maintain some level of um, continuity. So I don't know. Wouldn't surprise me if it came way after or uh, before. But you'd think if it was available before, they would just delay shipment of it so that it would fit better with, you know, with what's on the shelf. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I guess that's, uh, maybe it was timed to end before issue 220 that could be. of the X-Men. 
um, and issue whatever of Fantastic Four, 305, I think. Sure. Now, all that being said, um, uh, I, I like this story so far. Um, it doesn't feel like a Chris Claremont joint, though. And I'll try to point out things as we go along that just don't seem to quite make sense. Particularly the writing of uh, Wolverine. <laughs> so I guess you and I are on the same page. <laughs> Because you're like, that's that's somebody else who writes Wolverine. Because I think we've talked about this before. Like every now and then, you know, uh, Wolverine will cross over with Spider-Man and Punisher. And he'll just do things that aren't Wolverine. It's like some guy who thinks he knows Wolverine who's never read the X-Men writing Wolverine. And that's right. kind of how this uh, four-part miniseries comes off. So maybe Mike Carlin and Don Daly are like, no, 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 no. Wolverine doesn't do that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you of all people should know that. He's much more one-dimensional. Yeah. Anyways. We start in a dream, and it's uh, it's Franklin Richards' dream. A little, a little, a little backstory on what's going on in the Fantastic Four before okay. we we get in this, because it's sort of it's not really important, but it's a little bit important. Um, in the last few issues of Fantastic Four, Mister Fantastic and Sue Richards just learned of uh, Franklin Richards' dream powers, and. Uh, so that that's like uh, people reading Fantastic Four in February would probably like, wait, they don't know about his powers yet. This doesn't make any sense. Ah. In the same way that Havoc's not on the team. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there was some sort of coordination. And uh, it, it, it would appear that uh, uh, Reed Richards and Sue Richards are about to leave the team to focus on Franklin. But I don't know if any of that is touched upon. It's not it's not in the first two issues. So, okay. Yeah, in this dreamlike uh, uh, environment, Mr. Fantastic is holding the invisible woman who uh, she's either passed out or dead. And uh, off screen, we hear, Daddy, you killed her. We cut to a uh, Franklin who says, you killed mommy. And he's wearing his four and a half T-shirt. I like that shirt. Yeah, it's cool. I wish I had one. That would make a good. I bet there's a onesie out there. Oh yeah, absolutely there is. <laughs> now he's got his uh, his um, power pack boots on. Yeah, uh, the the Fantastic Four don't know that the power pack are superheroes, so I don't know what those boots are all about. Maybe they're just like the fashion. Of course, this is this is Franklin's dream, so he can wear whatever he wants. I guess that's true. Um, yeah, but dad's like, uh, go away, Franklin. This isn't any place for you. Franklin wants to know why dad killed mom. And, you know, Mr. Fantastic, like, it was natural. It had to be. It was necessary. You had to do it. I'm a scientist, son. I'm always certain. And behind him is a trail of dead other Fantastic Four people, like She-Hulk, who's bleeding green blood, and uh, Thing, who's... who's rocky hide has been cracked open to reveal kind of a gross orange inside and i guess that's johnny storm in the front who's smoldering yeah smoldering that's that's a good word for it and then wolverine shows up and he's holding somebody uh kitty i guess and he's like you're wrong bub only this time it cost you your own lives the fantastic four and the x-men you killed the X-Men as well, and now we see a bunch of pikes that have thorns sticking through them, and through the chest of each of the members of the X-Men, uh, they are hanging up by their pikes, and they are stabbed through the chest. It's, uh, it's grim. I guess that it would also, um, ex uh, th this image probably, um, 
corroborates what you're saying about release dates because um, Rogue is in a costume that's Rogue-like, but it's not current Rogue. And Dazzler's not in a costume at all. Yeah. Everybody else, I guess, is more or less correct. Uh, you got Magneto there, Longshot, Storm, uh, Psylocke, Havoc, Rogue, and Dazzler. And uh, Wolverine lays down a dead kitty and says, we came for you to help. We trusted you. Because of you, um, he trails off as Franklin runs in to say, Wolverine, he's my daddy. Please don't hurt him. It was all for nothing. Uh, Franklin calls Wolverine Mr. Wolverine, which I think is a, a power pack thing. Yeah, call it, certainly call back to uh, power pack for sure. Uh, Mr. Fantastic dodges with a stretchy body and... Uh, uh, I guess Wolverine died. He he missed and he died. That was his last effort. He had only enough strength for a, a last lunge and he failed and now he's dead. Mr. Fantastic is heading up some castle stairwells now with the dead body of Sue Richards. And uh, Franklin is now, he's like, don't go up there. That's a bad place. I got to stop you. You can't go up there. And I won't let you. And he says, I must. How will you stop me? And Franklin pulls on Mr. Uh, the, the, the body of Mr. Fantastic, which stretches and then snaps, knocking Franklin down the stairs. And at the top of the stairs, Reed Richards puts all these. It's, it's tough because like we're used to all these different names. <laughs> and now I have to remember all the names of the Fantastic Four. Uh, well, there's only four Reed of Richards, them, so. Yeah, you would think it would be easy. Plus, they're all like alliterative. <laughs> but uh, uh, so Reed Richards puts Sue on a uh, looks like some sort of uh, sacrificial pillar of some sort. And he pulls out a journal that is labeled Reed Richards Journal, State University. Franklin urges him, don't pick it up. That's the it's the cause of everything bad that's happened. Did you ever see Time Bandits? I've probably made this reference before. I have, but not in like... It's probably been 30 years since I've seen it. Oh, okay. There's a scene at the end where, like, the cause of the fire is this, like, chunk of charcoal. Um, and they bring it out, and uh, the parents go to touch it because it's a boy that's the main character of the movie. And uh, as his parents go to touch it, he's like, Mom, Dad, don't touch it. It's evil. And that's what this reminds me of. Hmm. I don't know. You see when did that movie come out? Oh, my God. 80, well, probably around the same time. I don't have fond memories of that movie. Really? It's a good movie. I like it. I know I know that in, in the minds of many people, uh, especially Terry Gilliam fans, it is yeah, a yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, it's not one of my favorite of his. Oh. Well. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that you have bad taste in movies. <laughs> Do we need to stop the podcast? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I think the <laughs> listeners want to hear our in-depth thoughts on Terry Gilliam's uh, movie I just referenced, Time Bandits. I like, I like 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys was good, yeah. Um, I like Brazil. Uh, which cut? The uh, the the director's cut. Absolutely. The intended, yeah. intended cut, not the cut that the love, includes the, scenes from The Shining or whatever. Does it? I, I, I forget. Oh, <laughs> it's called the Love Will Conquer All cut, which was the theatrical release, which is, is disappointing. I have the Criterion collection of that on DVD. Uh, I, I had it, and oh, I think okay. I sold it. I might still have it. Oh, it, it's great. There's like three discs, and the I, I think the middle disc is all just interviews and cut scenes and whatever. But the first disc is that is the theatrical cut. 
second disc or the third disc is the director's cut which is i don't know 40 more minutes long and it's uh i don't know that's a that's a great movie uh but then when you watch the director's cut you're like well no wonder or not the director's cut when you watch the three theatrical cut you're like well no wonder this didn't do good in the theater (laughs) like it's just a bad ending yeah it's it's even though it's supposed to be the happy ending it's like no that's when the movie starts is when they go off into the happy land and the credits roll no there's 40 minutes more after that that's that's what you need to see for the movie to make any sense i guess even still it doesn't make that much sense i think i'm getting confused with blade runner because that that theatrical cut the ending was scenes from the shining cut into it or something like that i can't remember you know i've never i've never actually seen all of uh, blade runner well it's too late to start now. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I haven't seen 2049 yet, but I'll get around to it. Anyways, uh, Mr. Fantastic, he opens it and it, it it opens up and flames come out and it hits him, hits him in the face and says, read Richard's journal, State University. And he's like, this is the culmination of my work. Franklin's like, love you, daddy. Please don't. Please don't do this. Don't make the scary face. I love you, I love you, I love you. Then Reed Richards pulls off his costume and says, uh, Credulous Childs is so difficult to comprehend. Victor Van Doom and Reed Richards are but opposites of the same coin. And Reed Richards reveals that he's got Dr. Doom's armor, puts on his uh, helmet, which is, is um, I don't know, really hot and sizzles his face. He puts it on and he says, Twins in spirit that have finally irrevocably become one. And that's when Franklin awakes from his dream with a shout, Daddy! And Mr. Fantastic, now outside of the dream world, is working on scientific gizmos. And Franklin comes in and says, Daddy, I had a dream. And uh, Reed Richards is a little bit too busy to deal with him. And he he calls Sue and says, Sue, something seems to be bothering Franklin. Uh, I'm in the middle of some delicate rationalizations. Do you mind taking care of him, please? I'm sorry, son. Can't talk to you. Daddy's very busy and he's doing all his stretching stuff in order to – his lab is just too complicated. Yeah, you would think for such a smart guy, he would put things a lot closer to him. Or maybe he is so smart that he's like, I don't got to because I'm so stretchy. Maybe this is like the optimal uh, version of his lab from for his stretchy self. I think it might be. But this is kind of like the ultimate, I don't know, blow off because poor Sue, she's got like her bandana on her head. It looks like she's been cleaning the house. And she's like, okay, while you're in the science room, I'm doing laundry, I'm grocery shopping, I'm vacuuming, and now you want me to deal with our son. Okay, fine. (laughs) Well, I don't think she's doing any of those things. In fact, I think she's going through the archives, which when you go through the archives, you got to wear a bandana. It's just the the deal. It's just the way that it's drawn on the computer screen. Like it's like she's like wiping her brow. Yeah, and the bandana just says, "I've been doing housework all day." But (laughs) anyhow, yeah. So she uses her force field power to make a chair for him, and she zips him over to the archives, the file room. They talk about this is where the X Men come when they want to read files. They all store at the (laughs) uh, Baxter Building. Yeah, I mean everybody does. (laughs) That's right. And uh, they talk about the dream. Uh, Frank she recognizes that it's one of his special dreams and everything's okay. There's nothing to be afraid of. You're safe with me. You'll always be safe with me. And Franklin tells her about the dream, about how all the X-Men were there and everybody was dead. And he opened a book and he turned into Dr. Doom. Sue wonders if it was a premonition or so, if it's just normal childhood anxieties from being the children of 
or the child of the Fantastic Four. Meanwhile, she's opening up a crate, and inside of it's got all sorts of antiques that they had packed up years and years ago, including a silver tea set from uh, Rasu's grandmother and Reed Richards' journal from the State University. Mommy, don't give it to Daddy. Throw it away, says Franklin. That's the book from my dream. Meanwhile, on Muir Island... Uh, I guess, so I guess chronologically the X-Men were on Muir Island training, and then they flew back to uh, the mansion to wipe Havoc's mind, and then they let him join the team, and then they flew back to Muir Island. So they went back to New York to maybe to pick up Magneto? <laughs> or no, Magneto's still in New York. So they, they really, they just went back to New York to meet in the sewers to talk about getting rid of themselves. Sure. Maybe, yeah, maybe they wanted to be there for... Well, in the New Mutants, right? Didn't Storm go to the Hellfire Club to... That's true. They yeah. ha- She had to get back to join the Hellfire Club. So maybe all the X-Men went back just for that meeting, and they also needed to do one final mute meeting in the Morlock Tunnels, and that's when Havoc happened to come along. And I suppose they had to go back to pick up Wolverine and Storm, so... Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Um, Havoc's having trouble fitting in, I guess. Well, look at his outfit. His, no out- his outfit is a disaster. His his pants are pulled up way past his navel. Got a belt. Shirts tucked way into. He's wearing like four shirts. Uh, <laughs> the pants are pleated, and I'm not talking about like just a couple of pleats. Like there are pleats everywhere. It's ridiculous. <laughs> there's like there's pleats on his ankles. I mean, they might as well call those pleats. <laughs> it's it's crazy. But uh, even Storm's giving him some lip. Like, uh, uh, unless you're a whiz at ramjet mechanics, then you can't help me. And Havoc's, Take a hike. Boy, I'm busy. Havoc's like, I've been an X-Men longer than you. And have a rogue's like, that's was then, chum. Times have changed. You want a place with us? You earn it. The same way people you're replacing, we're replacing did with sweat. And blood. We cut to the... Uh the prostrate Nightcrawler and Colossus, uh, still in their states of disarray. Nightcrawler unconscious, deep in a coma, and uh, Colossus just trapped still in his armored form, unable to move. He's got like a breathing apparatus on, so maybe he just can't move at all, maybe? I don't know why he needs a breathing apparatus. Yeah, I, thought, not... I thought we established like he doesn't need to breathe when his, when he's in his armored form. Maybe he's got really bad breath. Or maybe, it's, maybe he needs to breathe, but it's like a very decreased amount of oxygen he needs. I don't know. Anyways, Kitty is in a tube. Uh, Psylocke is kind of standing watch. Um, and then up in the office, Muir Island. All right. <laughs> I just called uh, Moira McTaggart Muir Island. <laughs> Moira McTaggart, Wolverine, and Aurora are having a quick little meeting. Muir Island McTaggart. <laughs> and they're talking about the seriousness of Kitty's condition. It's getting worse, uh, and it's only a matter of days before the atoms in Kitty's bodies just drift away. Causing irreversible brain damage. Yep. So she won't, she won't quite die, but she's going to lose her mind. And that's when Magneto phones from New York saying that he's learned of an experimental device by Reed Richards that may reverse Shadowcat's condition. He says, good news, everyone. <laughs> and I've learned of an experimental device by Reed Richards <laughs> that may reverse Shadowcat's condition. I mean to contact him immediately. But meanwhile, I need you to go pick something up. <laughs> I have a delivery for you. And so, yeah, it's... 
is that why is Magneto the Fantastic Four probably considers you a supervillain? So that's kind of the the crux here. Is they're like, well, like we're kind of friends with the Fantastic Four, but he might think you're a bad guy. So I don't know if this is gonna work. And Magneto says, eh, you know, he'll know the truth when he hears it, even from my lips. And uh, how how else are they gonna learn that I'm a good guy if they don't have opportunities to? Learn that I'm a good guy. Meanwhile, Longshot and Dazzler are out boating. Uh, they... With a week's worth of groceries from Oolapool. Yeah. Longshot's never seen the ocean, so he jumps in, and Dazzler's like, what's going on? Can he even swim? I better make some light. So he makes some, she makes some light. Yeah, the sun's not up, and the water's raging, and she can't find him, so she, she uses her own light as a, as a source to light up the ocean, and she is able to spot that Longshot has uh, unexpectedly uncovered a body in the water, and they're both floating on what looks like a log. Maybe it's a mast. Sure. I believe that this is the man that we saw in issue 217. Yes, that is correct. So Dazzle's like, well, how did you see him? And Longshot's like, I don't know, just luck, I guess. And as they head back to Muir Island, the man that Longshot rescued gives an evil-looking little smile. A sinister smile. Franklin Richards is back asleep. He continues to dream. Well, maybe. Uh, Sue is looking out the window. She's got the book in her hands. Uh, I think she's read it. Yeah, I think think she's finished reading it. Maybe she's in that kind of faraway panel. She's reading the last page. Because then she closes it up, holds it close to her chest, and Reed Richards appears from behind her, does a little peekaboo action, says, guess who? And uh, Hello, she's like, Reed. She pulls away. What's wrong? Says, if it's about Franklin, I'm truly sorry. Recognize this, you jerk face. It's my journal. Where'd you find it? I thought it was gone for good. And now Franklin has rejoined in his... Now he's... Tr- full on in his uh, power pack outfit. So he's in his dream form. And uh, Sue is like, yep, I wish it had been lost. I read it. I suggest you do too, especially the pages relating to the rocket flight. You remember that transformed you, me, Ben, and Johnny into the Fantastic Four? What? What? I guess they can't see Franklin in his dream state. Yeah. He's like astral. Could, but... Nah, he's like astral projecting at this point. All right, I think. Anyways, maybe he can choose because I feel like sometimes they can see him. I don't. I don't know. And as actually, we'll see in either this issue or the next issue. He tries to like get people's attention, but he's unable to. Yeah. Meanwhile, at a happening jazz club that has law books and coffee. Yeah, this is a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. They, there's live jazz music, and then upstairs there's a whole library, and that's where She-Hulk decided to order some tea so she could do some research because she's been asked to uh, do some lawyering for the Magneto restage trial before the world court. I guess it's a performance of some kind, or I don't yeah, know. It's it's a uh, it's a fundraiser. Yes. So they're they're restaging the trial of Magneto. Is that uh, Bernard in the uh, foreground of the jazz club? God, I hope so. I don't, I mean, <laughs> let's, for the sake of arguing, or not arguing, let's just say it is absolutely Bernard. He's still hanging out in the Greenwich Village happening jazz scenes. Um, I I don't think Raglan's Coffee House is the place that the kids used to go to, but it's probably changed no, hands. It's definitely not, but, you know, <laughs> how do they keep the music out of the library? 
I don't know. <laughs> Seems like it would be the worst library ever. And not only that, I mean, apparently this place allows smoking because from the other side of the bookcase comes uh, cigar smoke. And that's when She-Hulk, who, uh, she, she thought that the Magneto case was going to be open and shut, but the more she reads into it, the more complex it becomes. But then she sticks her head through the books and she realizes that Ben Grimm is on the other side, and he's doing some federal aviation regulation studying for some reason. He's got to recertify all his pilot's license. And she's like, stop smoking that thing. And he's like, no. And apparently he, he overheard her talking about Magneto, and he'd be like, I'd quit before defending that creep. Yeah, he, he's guilty is, is basically the things. Uh, well, that's his thing. He's very one-dimensional. Yes. But before they can get into too much of an argument, an explosion down the road occurs at a construction site, uh, and they head down that way. Uh, she... They go straight out the window. Did they, did they open the window? I mean, I don't see any glass, so they must have opened the window and jumped out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they're, they're both She-Hulks lifting stuff, things lifting stuff. They're struggling to keep things held together it's going to collapse when magneto shows up and he starts throwing out orders he's like lifting up the the metal and he's giving them direction like move over here and do that thing and i'm going to be able to hold this in place and it's all going to be torn down but i can secure it i was uh in your vicinity and saw your predicament and uh she hulk uh she's her clothes are just like totally falling apart (laughs) (laughs) but she's 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 kind of obliged to help and uh things like wait a minute it it, place is probably on fire because of that guy creep probably blew this place up in the first place human torch shows up and magneto commands him quickly lad Use your use your flame to weld the uh, main girders and uh, braces back into place. Uh, thank you very much. So he j- zooms in. He's like, "I'm on it, fella." Whoa! Wait a minute. It's like a record scratch. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? That was Magneto. Since when do I take orders from him? And it's kind of at this point where you're like, "I'm not really reading a Chris Claremont comic book." <laughs> Thing throws in, he's like, it don't matter. The bum's talking sense, so hurry up and do as you just told. And they do. Chris Claremont writes the Fantastic Four very differently than he writes the X-Men. Uh, having, having, having read his Fantastic Four in like the late 90s or early 2000s, he definitely is, some things are the same, but other things are different. Is it very comic booky like this? Uh, more so. Okay, so he's he's doing his character studies and development in X-Men and maybe just writing fun comics for Fantastic Four? I think he's really trying to honor, like, the super early. Because the the, the origin of the Fantastic Four plays heavily into this story. Yeah. So I think he's trying to bring out the essence of, like, those early issues of Fantastic Four, which, you ha- which if you haven't read, are awesome. Really? I've only read maybe the first handful of issues. I maybe I'm biased because I love 60s comics, um, but the, I, the first 20 issues of Fantastic Four are for me just so incredibly readable. They're the gold standard of of 60s comics. Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, it's very it's very different. I found but... the early, and I hate to say this, but I found the early issues of Spider-Man a bit laborious to read. You might not like Fantastic Four then, but I feel <laughs> like 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 when we did the X-Men, even the X-Men was a bit of a, a struggle to get through sometimes. Sometimes it was it was great. Um, 
you know, like the juggernaut issue and whatnot and mm-hmm. the, the sentinels stuff like that. Uh, but, but it, there was, for me reading the fantastic four for the first time, the first like 20 issues, it was just like every issue put a big smile on my face and it, and it just, it got increasingly better as it went. Hmm. One day I will have to check those out. But anyways, yeah, you, you gotta, uh, Sue has captured Magneto or Magneto probably let himself be captured so that he could bring his plea to Mr. Fantastic, <clears throat> but they're all in the Baxter building. She Hulk thing, uh, invisible woman, Johnny storm. Presumably they saved the building that was on fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, Magneto did say it's going to have to all come down, but at least they can lock it in place so nobody gets hurt. So, right. Um, and so Magneto is like, Hey, I'm not a villain. Uh, I got a girl, uh, she's in trouble. Whatever your feelings towards me, uh, Shadowcat uh, and the X-Men have never done you any harm. Your device, Richard, is your only hope. Uh, tomorrow will be too late. Mr. Fantastic, obviously just having his fight with Invisible Woman, is like, it's not a good time right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he kind of slowly is like, well, the device is untested. Even if I agree, it might not work. Too much could go wrong. And Sue, I, I don't want to go, but there's a life at stake. And she's like, there's always a life at stake. Do what you have to do, Reed. I'll be here when you come home. And she thinks to herself, I wonder, are you secretly thankful for this emergency? It's so much easier to deal with superheroic crises than the nuts and bolts of real life. Saving universe has become second nature. Have we forgotten along the way that the most awesomely heroic test of all is to be a good man or woman, parents, a family? So they had... Over to Muir Island, uh, She-Hulk's coming along, uh, Sue's staying behind, so that's how they can maintain their fantastic thorness. Um, and the, you know, thing is all like, yeah, uh, Reed's so smart, everything he does is unquestionable, he does all of his research, he checks his work twice, never makes a mistake, except that one time when we, you know, turned into the Fantastic Four. That was a mistake he made, but it's the only mistake he made, and it was a doozy. I always wondered how a big brain like you could forget about something basic as cosmic cosmic rays. And this is, uh, he's actually talking about this because Reed asked him, um, tell me, Ben, am I ruthless? Yeah. Which, I, he's, he's, self, he's self-analyzing, I guess. So they show up on Mirror Island. Uh, the X-Men come running out to greet him. And uh, Thing and She-Hulk bring out the machine. Mr. Fantastic sits inside and he's like, oh, what if I'm wrong? What if I make another mistake? The device is untested. The computer simulations are positive, but that's only a computer. Blah, blah, blah. I'm doubting myself. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, right. (laughs) If history repeats itself, my arrogance may condemn an innocent girl as well, or my caution will. It's as if either way I lose. Why can't I find the answer? The harder I try to resolve everything, the more muddled I become. I'm needed here. I'm needed at home. He walks out of the plane, and Franklin appears in his uh, dream astroplane self. It's kind of a cool drawing. It's like he warps into focus, or or however you want to say it but yeah he's he's definitely appeared he walks out there uh and he he doesn't say anything to anybody and johnny's wondering like what's up with him he's been so wound up storm picks up on that and asks wolverine why are they why are they looking at dr richard so and wolverine says something about him don't sit quite right don't like it or him (laughs) (laughs) he really has no reason not to like reed richards i don't even know if they've met (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess he just didn't like the way he walked past him. So he walks in to the examination room, sits there for the whole day, I guess, while the Fantastic Four and X-Men just stand outside. Um, and they come out, uh, and he says, Forgive me, Dr. McTaggart. There's nothing I can do. And that's when Magneto loses it. Everybody loses it. This is so dumb. <laughs> this, this gets dumb, right? So Magneto first is like, I've read about you. Like, you can do this. Like, you're super smart. Uh, Mr. Fantastic throws out some psychobabble. Magneto's getting ready to wreck the machine. She-Hulk grabs Magneto by the hand, tell him to knock it off. Uh, Thing catches the machine, and Johnny Storm flames on. Wolverine punches him in the gut. Pops his claws is going to go after Mr. Fantastic. And that's when Franklin's like, oh, my God, this is like my dream. <laughs> Wolverine, his claws can cut anything. Even my dad's stretchable body. He and Dada are going to fight just like in my special dream. We came for you. We came to you for help, Richards. We trusted you. We put Shadow Cat's life in your hands. So you save her, bub, or you die. <laughs> so... It's yeah. it's just a bit much. It's a little heavy-handed. It was good up until this point, really, because like the the uh, I don't know the X Men, uh, they're just really flying off the handle. So yeah, I uh, agree that story wise, like I'm I'm kind of into it. I'm kind of uh, digging what what they're trying to do with this whole book thing. Like, is it real? Did it get planted? I mean, you've got some Doctor Doom in Franklin's dream. Like, maybe he's behind this. I'm sure he is, right? Because it's yeah, Fantastic probably. Four. But still, nonetheless, it puts uh, it casts a certain doubt into the members of Fantastic Four. So you could just keep working that story, but instead they they decide to uh, end issue one uh, with with well what's going to be a fight in issue two, which which we'll take a look at right now. Which I guess it's called Fantastic Four versus the X-Men, and Chris Claremont was like, oh, I guess I got to have him fight. Well, uh. yeah. <laughs> when when they get to the Avengers, is it Avengers versus the X-Men, or is it Avengers and the X-Men? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I guess, I guess we'll find out in a couple apps. Yeah. Anyways, so the cover of this has got Dr. Doom in the background kind of laughing at the foreground, which has Wolverine with his claws popped. There's a hole in Mr. Fantastic's chest. Franklin is clawing all over his mom's boobs. It's really weird. Uh, and it's, it's like a direct sequel to the last cover. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Wolverine says, your mother's been avenged. Okay, kid. Cause well, Sue's dead too. I guess the assumption here is Mr. Fantastic killed Sue, so Wolverine killed Mr. Fantastic, and Franklin's just left to cry. Right. It's awful. This one is from uh, March 1987 or December 1986, if you go by when it supposedly actually came out. It's it's still a buck fifty, and uh, this one's titled Truth and Consequences. Creative staff is mostly the same. We don't have those uh, consulting editors now. Instead, we just have Ann Nascenti and Don Daly editing. So they must have had their meeting and uh, given it off to their capable hands. They were just like, make sure you get them fighting by the end of the issue. Yeah. And make sure this issue is almost nothing but fighting. <laughs> so we get a full page splash of Wolverine shouting at Mr. Fantastic with his claws drawn saying, you came here to save Shadowcat, now do it or I'll send you home in a box, which is really weird. Is he just going to keep saying stupid things like over and over again? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's when the X-Men and the Fantastic Four fight. Wolverine, says Storm, stop, let him go. And Magneto attempts to separate them. But before he can do it, uh, Thing says, well, you might separate them, but you might not. And I don't want to take chances. So he slams his fists together, knocking both Magneto and Storm off balance. Uh, But Storm manages to get closer to Wolverine because of that. She grabs him by the hand and uh, Johnny Storm witnesses. He he just got punched out from the last issue by Wolverine and he doesn't know what's going on. He just kind of sees them struggling with each other and he shoots fire at them, which accidentally uh, hits Storm. He's like, oh, no, I burned Storm. Dang it. <laughs> she doesn't even have powers. Uh, Rogue flies in, grabs the thing, and gives him a big old smoocheroo and absorbs his rocky power, which is kind of an interesting and odd transformation. It it takes most of the rockiness away from the thing, making her thing-like and making him just kind of orange fleshy lumps i guess like, yeah I, I like it a lot it's it says uh instantly as her body is flooded with the thing's awesome strength her awareness is filled with the totality of his being all he was and is dreams despairs of being she thought she'd be attacking a toad instead she's touched the soul of a prince yes and it's an interesting description uh, and characterization of this power transfer because once she's got it and you know his, his hopes dreams and despairs she sheds a tear because it's probably so tragic and also so beautiful at the same time he's a good guy ben yeah. grim uh, Psylocke uses her telepathic powers to knock out Johnny Storm. Uh, Mr. Fantastic's wrapped up Wolverine in uh, his stretchy body. Moira McTaggart's wrapping up Storm's arm. Psylocke realizes that Wolverine started the fight, and so she attempts to try to calm him. Um, and he realizes he's in her head and is like, Get out of my school, Psylocke! Richard, Richard's dealt this hand. And uh, She-Hulk overhears that and an X-Men helping us? And yeah. uh, that, so Psylocke starts communicating with She-Hulk. She-Hulk, his his mind is too extreme. I cannot hold his his mind or his rage. Rage is too extreme. Something's too extreme. I don't know. Yeah, so he's going berserk, I guess, is what they're trying to say. Wolverine gets this awesome kick at Mr. Fantastic's face where it goes all bruised and rubbery. I really like it. He caught him right at the right angle. That bruise will stay for the rest of the issue. Yes. Probably the rest of the series, maybe. Um, uh, Franklin sees all this, and he's like, Mr. Wolverine, no, please don't hurt my papa. And as he trips out of the airplane, in reality, he falls out of his bed and wakes up, and Sue runs in. and Baby, are you all right? And he says, Mommy, it was a special dream. The X-Men got mad, and Mr. Wolverine hit Daddy. Uh, Daddy went to help the X-Men, but he wouldn't help them. Aren't they our friends? Mm-hmm. And he basically recaps the whole thing. Yep. And then he falls back asleep, and she heads back out to the big pane of glass where the journal is, and she's pacing. She wishes she'd never opened the book. Franklin warned him, warned her not to. She shouldn't have. She said it would destroy the Fantastic Four. And he might be right. She throws the book at the window. And she gets so angry. This is a neat panel. She she uses her force field to just project. And I think she doesn't want Franklin to hear her rage. So she puts this force field around her, which just blows her clothes off. <laughs> which is <laughs> it's, stupid. I, uh, you know, 
as much as I always comment on the naked female form in this, it, to me, this just seems to fit for some. She's so mad and she's just so filled with rage that she just projects this force field around her without really thinking about this, the surroundings. And I feel like when she screams in this bubble, read Richards, how I hate you outside of the bubble, you can't hear anything, but inside it's just her screen, her version of screaming into a pillow. And then the fact that her clothes blow off just kind of emphasizes the whole moment. I know it's, it's pretty goofy. Yeah, no, it's you're 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 right. It has it, it's got it's got good elements to it, and and I guess you have to blow the clothes off in order to kind of see what's going on. Yeah, it's just so silly. Uh, there, there, it is. There, but... there, there is a, there is a moment where she looks at the reflections and she sees the Fantastic Four, and it's it's the original Fantastic Four. So it's got like uh, Sue with her bob haircut and old less rocky thing, and then Mister Fantastic just looks downright evil. Yeah. Well, that's how she's imagining whatever happened in this journal. That's the mindset of Reed Richards, I guess. Indeed. Meanwhile, back at the Muir Island research facility, Dazzler and Longshot are drying off. Longshot's drying off and Dazzler's awake. Apparently, they're watching this whole fight or they've just tuned into the fight. One of the two. (laughs) Holy cow. Outside on the ramp was was. Oh, okay. So Longshot and Dazzler must have just gotten back because Longshot is still washing his hair from having dived in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, Longshot is still wearing his goofy clothes. Yeah. And yeah. Dazzler also wearing goofy clothes. Yeah. So they head out and they're like, oh my gosh, let's go see what's going on. The guy they rescue gets up and he's like, opening communications channel D, transmission, priority, infiltration, Moira McTaggart's successful. And that's when his hands transform into like communications devices and all sorts of crazy stuff. And Dr. Sharon walks in and she's like, whoops, sorry. <laughs> Mission, Mission compromised, initiating defensive procedures to safeguard, probe, and eliminate potential threat. She's dead. <laughs> she, yes, he uses his blender hands to blend Sharon, Dr. Sharon apart. <laughs> it's a weird way for her to go, but she went. Uh, Wolverine, I guess, maybe thinking he's going to deliver the final blow, but Moira McTaggart jumps in the way and says, you want Richard? You're going to have to kill me first. And Storm gets up and says the same thing. How does Storm have bandages on? Well, earlier, uh, Moira was dressing her wound. Oh, okay. And it was actually, it was kind of in the mid-ground panel while everybody else was fighting. So he abides. He... Brings yeah. his claws back in, and they everybody apologizes. Sorry. This should not have occurred regardless of provocation. I apologize. I will beg if I must, Dr. Richards. Only you can save Shadowcat. And he still says no, and um, Rogue suggests that she could just touch Mr. Fantastic and gain all of his knowledge, or Psylocke can use her psi powers to read the information in his mind, and Storm says no. Every fiber of my being cries out to take what we require, but this is... We're X-Men, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the X-Men way. Uh, So the Fantastic Four are getting ready to leave. Actually, they're not getting ready to leave so much as Storm's like, uh, get the hell off my property. Right. <laughs> like, if you're uh, not going to help, shot, get out. Uh, Longshot and Havoc and Dazzler make it out, and Longshot says, who should we hit? <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, ben Grimm is laying on the ground, still kind of vulnerable and, and meaty looking. Yeah, and Rogue, Rogue is also looks like the thing. I yeah. kind of skipped over that. Yep. She definitely <laughs> she's does. Still, she's still thing-like. And that's when the robot dude walks out with the skin deteriorating out of him to turn into a whole robot exoskeleton. And it's a he, freaking Terminator. It totally is. He shifts into holographic communications mode. 
Somebody says, greetings to you, X-Men, and to you, Reed Richards, my oldest rival. Guess who it is, Adam? Um, but I know who it is. It's, it's, who, who's the guy that, it's the Mole Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's Dr. Doom. And he says, my apologies, my apologies for this uninvited intrusion. It's a full page splash, splash. It's a full page splash. And he's like, I've heard of you X-Men and your troubles with the Marauders. Uh, and I was curious if there was more to it and wanted to know if they posed any threat to my interests. So here I am, I'm Dr. Doom. Yeah, and and I've also, uh, now that I've learned that they're not any threat to me, I've learned that you uh, need some assistance, and I can can duplicate. uh, I can duplicate Richard's (laughs) research and construct his molecular reintegrator, and with it, save the child's life. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. For what price, Storm wants to know? Would it matter? However, no price was mentioned. None shall be. So what's the thought here is that Dr. Doom is offering to save Shadowcat's life. No strings attached. However, he's got his reasons. Yeah, and, and Frank uh, Reed Richards grabs Storm by the elbow and says, you're, you're bargaining with the devil. Don't, don't do it. And she basically uh, says... She's like, why are you still here? Yeah, get, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. Doom says there's no price, but you'll forever be in his debt. Who knows what that'll cost you? Get off my plane. <laughs> well, yeah, right, exactly. That's when Moira turns into Harrison Ford. And the president. And he, she says, This is Kinneros land, and I'm the Kinneros heir. If you aren't airborne within five minutes, I'll see you arrested for trespassing and assault. Dr. McTaggart, please! Get off my island! <laughs> Haven't you done enough today, man? Just go. So, uh, She-Hulk picks up the thing, and Johnny Storm, they board the airplane, and they finally frickin' leave. Storm passes out. Uh, Magneto turns the robot into a stretcher. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, but, yeah. you know, it, it's it's doable. Uh, I mean, that's what he would do. <laughs> throughout the next few panels, uh, Rogue turns back to herself, but very slowly. It's really weird. I don't think we've actually seen her lose powers this slowly before. It's kind of weird. Oh, well, okay. I mean, we have, I guess, but not not, not as drawn out as this. But anyways worth noting i guess i'm reverting back to normal the powers i took from the thing are wearing off gosh we do find that sharon friedlander is in fact alive kitty is in her tube and she's like this this is all my fault storm's hurt and i saw doom make him an offer i want to live but not if it cost the x-men their souls maybe it's time i took the decision out of their hands Meanwhile, back in the Fantastic Four Plaza, uh, Reed Richards is still feeling sorry for himself. And suddenly, uh, as he's looking at his molecular reintegrator, trying to decide whether or not he did something right or wrong, he feels like the whole thing was like a horrible dream. And a thing grabs him and tosses him into a wall. I love this sequence where he's just like, how you doing, Stretch, old buddy, old pal? And he just gives him a wind-up throw against the wall. Mr. Fantastic just slaps like so much rubber into the side of the wall. Thing comes up, shoulders hunched up, his mouth wide open. And he's like, I've been reading your book, this stinking journal, but I'm old-fashioned. I want to hear it from your face. Or from your lips to my face. And then we get a close-up of Thing's face, which is very heavily inked to great effect. 
and says, I want the truth. And Mr. Fantastic says, you can't handle the truth. (laughs) You want me on the wall because you need me on the wall. Yeah, no. So Thing pushes him to the rest of the Fantastic Four. And I got to be honest, to me, it seems like this should be more of a family affair. So I don't know why She-Hulk is here. Is that She-Hulk? Yeah, it's 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 Johnny Storm, Invisible Woman, and and oh, She-Hulk. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It is. She yeah. is she and She-Hulk's like I'm angry too, even though I'm not green because of you. <laughs> She's part of the family. Well, yeah, but I mean, then you might as well have every member of the Fantastic Four standing here. Well, I think I think thus far this is every member of the Fantastic Four. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't think uh, like some of the later members have joined yet. Okay, well, fine. Like uh, Crystal or or Lady Thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, that's coming up. Okay, all right. And then there's the Fantastic Four that is Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Spider-Man, and Hulk. I never read that. It was only for three issues, but it, and it was drawn by Art Adams, and it was awesome. I should really read that. It sounds awesome. So Thing pushes him towards them and says, uh, uh, talk. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Reed's like, oh, sounds to me like the jury's already in on this kangaroo court. If that was so, you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be breathing. Sue says she wants the truth. Mr. Fantastic pulls out the journal. He's like, oh, and this is the truth? Why don't you tell us? (laughs) So the story is uh, that even though he's not a geneticist, he's been reading some of Charles Xavier's work. And I'm, I'm guessing this goes back to the 60s or whatever time frame Marvel Universe considers this but pre-x-men i'm guessing yeah well fantastic four one was like the first marvel comic so pre-everything okay absolutely so this is this is this is before the fantastic four hit cosmic rays Uh, i guess technically at the time it was a timely comic yeah that's true for the first three issues i believe yeah something like that uh, that the human race is fast approaching an evolutionary watershed akin to the historical transition from Neanderthal to Cro-Magnum. Uh, things is going to happen. Uh, and we flash to the, this what, what's the green thing? Gormu? I have to think that this is a callback to some of the pre-Marvel comics back when they were like, uh, you know, monster, uh, whatever. Okay. Because like, b- before the, the Fantastic Four started the whole marvel generation there was all these different timely comics that were just kind of stories one of which was groot but like not that groot oh. a different groot well there was also a human torch but not this human torch and well that goes back to the 40s but somewhere in between wow. and so somewhere between the 40s and the 60s let's say the 50s okay there was all these uh all these kind of twilight zone-esque stories if sure. you will yeah, yeah. and uh, there was like a whole like Jack Kirby uh, thing dedicated to just monsters. And I'm guessing this has to be one of them. Oh, okay. So you, this, this uh, panel of the two people on the building top, do you think this is Sue Storm and Reed Richards? Uh, yeah, I guess it must be because he says, my recent encounter with the extraterrestrial intelligence Gourmoo. This could also be like a Fantastic Four flashback issue that I'm just not aware of. Well, I mean, there's that first issue of Fantastic Four where the green monster, well, that's Mole Man, isn't it? Yeah, that that was after they get their powers. Yeah, yeah. That's and he's power. talking about before they've got their powers. Because what he's determined is that um, humanity, let's see, the inexorable conclusion that such contacts can only increase in the future. So there's going to be more monsters. Thus far, we have dealt with individual beings. What will happen when humanity meets a hostile alien state? How will Earth defend itself? So not yet the Fantastic Four. Right. Meanwhile, on Muir Island, Wolverine is slashing rocks in his underwear. (laughs) 
having fun, sugar, says Rogue as she comes to see what's going on. My only regret is that these rocks ain't Mr. Flamin' Fantastic Reed Richards, but I'm going to kill the rocks. And store, uh, Rogue suggests that he try something gentler, and she strikes a meditation pose in the air, something that we've never seen Rogue do and never will again. I find this, like, I don't know, like, really obnoxious. Imagine if you're at work and your coworker <laughs> comes and sits right next to you and says, hmm, yoga's the best. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, why are you here doing yoga? Like, Rogue could be anywhere meditating. But instead, she flies over to Wolverine, who's clearly agitated, and is like, you should meditate, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you're having you're having a really hard time with some code at work, and you're just like typing away, and you can't figure it out. And somebody sees your frustration, and they're just like, "Hey, chill out, man." Well, not only that, they they come sit down in your cube, and they're like, yeah. "You should try meditation." And you yeah. know what? I don't eat anything that comes from an animal. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Get out of my cube. Anyhow, back at Muir Island, uh, Dazzler is beside herself. She can't believe the X-Men are even possibly considering doing work with Dr. Doom. He's crazy. How could you? Yeah. She's, does she? Oh, because oh, we this the next couple of pages, we cut back and forth a lot between what's going on in the X-Men world and what's going on with the Fantastic World. I like I like it. A lot. I mean, yeah, it's not. It's good. Maybe it's maybe it's not perfectly paced, but we keep jumping back and forth. Yep. So there, you know, Wolverine's like he's the only game in town, uh, and and Dazzler's echoing Reed Richards saying it's a rated game, it's rigged in his favor. Meanwhile, the Fantastic Four is still giving Reed Richards some crap, and he's like, just because some of this book is true doesn't mean the whole book is true. Which he's not really saying. Like, I didn't write this. Yeah. <laughs> because he can't remember, but. He, Sue says, that's what we're here to find out. Finish the story. And uh, so he basically retells the story of uh, the Fantastic Four and how they were building a rocket ship to go into space. And uh, we get to a part where, let's see, where does it get to the thing? It, it, it goes through the origin of the Fantastic Four. Which is neat. Uh, if you've never read the origin of the Fantastic Four, you get to see what... Uh, what Ben Grimm looked like before he was the thing, and it's kind of redone. I don't. Is this the original artwork, or do you think it's just redrawn? It's probably no, redrawn. no. This is definitely not the re original artwork. Okay, but it's very. It's drawn very sixties esque. Um, and the formation of the Fantastic Four, the story that we know, and that's when we cut back to uh, Muir Island, where Dazzler's still like, "Hey, I fought Doctor Doom. Like, I know what he's like. He's crazy." This is when Storm should be like, "Yeah, he tried to." marry me once well yeah i mean the wolverine says most of us have dazzler most of us do yeah. uh i don't remember i mean you're the uh dazzler expert yeah. did she fight dr doom oh man if she says she did i'm sure she did <laughs> uh i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> sure it was probably a doom bot too so who knows oh uh, yeah uh myra says medically speaking x-men our alternative is kitty's certain death yeah i can't save her reed richards won't with doom's offer the child at least has a chance He's a devil, says Dazzler. Do you think she'd want us to do this if any of you were in the position, would you? Rogue says, if you drown in sugar, does it matter who throws you a rope? Wolverine says, of course it does, Rogue. That's the point. Question is, which matters more, Kitty or us? Right. So I guess the thing is, can we all sell our souls so that Kitty can be fixed and live a normal life? That's the decision that the X-Men have to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stakes are high. So then Reed continues his story 
Uh, about uh, growing number of terrestrial enhanced beings, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and while it's logical to assume some similar beings will devote their energies to pro-social activities, that process might well be facilitated by a person or group who would serve as both inspiration and example to the rest. And it's at this point, or probably even earlier, where I'm like, oh my God, are they insinuating that Reed Richards meant to do this? Yeah, he, he says, I dare not ask their permission. Susan and Johnny are too young and Ben too hot-headed. They would not understand. They might well refuse. And for the stakes of the future, the world, the human race are too high. And that's when Thing just says, you did this to us on purpose. Makes sense. Explains a lot. Like I said last issue, it was always kind of strange that that was your one big mistake. Yeah, and in the journal, he says, the genetic structure of myself, Ben, Susan, and Johnny are such that when combined with a precise dose of cosmic rays, good stuff will happen. So, you know, adding a little explanation to to, to the whole thing. It's, it's interesting. It's neat. I have shaped the whole of my spacecraft to capture and focus the specific radiation required for our transformation. So, yeah. Full on, Mr. Fantastic made the Fantastic Four insinuation. Mr. Fantastic then says, Ben, you don't believe this, do you? For heaven's sake, I didn't, I couldn't. Give me a break, Reed. You know something was right and necessary and not do something about it, no matter what the cost. I know you're better than that. Oh, Ben, I wish we'd never found that book, says Sue. I got wishes too, Susie. But wishes are for kids, because I believe they'll come true. I'm a grown up. I know better. I'm out of here. Throws on his overcoat and his hat, and he walks out. Uh, Reed's like, Ben. Johnny, he leaves with She-Hulk. I got to go. I got some stuff to think about. I'll be Alicia's. I don't know. If I'll be back. Johnny and Alicia are married at this point. Side note. <laughs> Sue, you started this. Will you go or will you stay? And we cut back to the X-Men, and it's now it's, uh, well, it's mostly Storm and Wolverine having a conversation about their Well, they're all there. Yeah, but it's not for the first four panels, they aren't. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, if you don't look at that last panel, it's basically a conversation between the senior members, and then, yes, you cut to the entire team. Well, no, she, Storm's talking to the whole team, because she says, I am making this decision for myself alone. It is in no way binding on the rest of you. I know the risks, but Kitty is very dear to me. I would bargain with the devil. And I shall. And that's when we cut to Wolverine, who's stoking the fire, and he says, not alone, you won't. You're in, darling. So am I. And that's when the rest of the X-Men. Storm chimes in. Me too. Psylocke says, I sp we don't have time for anything else, so I speak for everybody else and the new arrivals. <laughs> We're good. We're going to go with you to the end. And Dazzler's like, but, but, but. But I just, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh, fine. You don't speak for me. Havoc's like, do I got to wear this stupid sweater throughout the entire four-part series? I mean, I we so. know what my costume looks like. It was on one of the covers. <laughs> That's it. That is Fantastic Four versus X-Men number two. And honestly, other than the st stupid fight that they had, um, pretty good. And, and, and really, the, the, the fight itself wasn't bad. It was the, the lead up to the fight that made no sense. Right. It was a good fight. It was a good fight. It was quick, uh, action-packed, action uh, but they didn't waste a whole lot of time with the fight. They did a few pages of it and then moved on to... How are the X-Men going to cope with selling their cells and the Fantastic Four confronting Mr. Fantastic? Uh, so good stuff all around. Yeah. And uh, so going back into my history, uh, for some reason, I had Fantastic Four versus X-Men number three and four. 
and I never got around to reading one and two. So all of this <laughs> stuff is new and really makes the last two issues make a whole lot more sense. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I look forward to completing this uh, four-part miniseries next time. I'm actually reading this from Epic Fantastic Four Volume 17, which I picked up just because it had this in it. And wow. I was like, yeah, whatever. I love me some epics. Yeah, you're more dedicated than I am. I just, I really like these epic collections. They're like the new phone books. They're nice. They are very nice. And they're not, and they're not black and white. And they're not too terribly expensive. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not cheap either, but <laughs> <laughs> if you space it out, it's not bad. Well, it's not like dropping $75 on an yeah, omnibus yeah. or something. You know? I, I generally get them for like 20 bucks. Yeah. I have a, I guess I have two omnibuses. You have way more than that, but uh, the, the two that I picked up are were definitely like $20 closeouts. Yeah, I try to get them only when they're cheap. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling with that because there's there's a bunch of Inferno omnibuses and a couple of them are inexpensive, but one of them's like, well, it's like... Cover price is 125 selling it for 75 but it feels like too much. The secret has been for me to buy them right when they come out, and you can usually get them for like 50% off. Yeah. The Inferno ones are, are kind of old, so they're just going to get more expensive. So I don't know if I'll ever pick them up or not. Yeah. Just wait until it comes out in Epic. <laughs> it might be a while. Yeah. You might not have it for the show, but, <laughs> you know, at least I'll have it eventually. If I don't have it for the show, I'm probably not going to pick it up. Fair enough. <laughs> There's a Marvel Masterworks that came out releasing, I don't know, 10 or 11 issues of the classic X-Men uh, that came out after we had covered the issues, and I never bought it. Ah. Uh, so. Oh, well. Wah, wah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for us this week. Uh, yeah. Next week, we will conclude this, uh, this epic series. This saga, if you will. So until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Closed.